0: Legacy Podcasts present "Torque," a novel by Ty Drago, performed for you by the author, and featuring music by Nicholas Allen Nelson. The 30th Cog Miss Ainsley, Catherine said as she opened the door, it's past midnight. What's wrong? Penelope and Julia Crowley's personal maid was a plump upper woman in her 50s, Ainsley had grown up knowing Catherine, seeing her almost daily, and so could be reasonably confident when she read no alarm in the maid's expression. Apparently, the terrible news from the Pinkerton estate hadn't reached the Crowley household. Catherine didn't know Ainsley's father was dead, or that his daughter was a fugitive. Yet. Hi, Catherine. I realize it's late, but I need your help. She knew she looked awful. The best she'd been able to manage before abandoning her family home, probably forever, was a quick change of clothes. "'Of course, Miss,' Catherine said, looking concerned. "'What's wrong?' "'I have to see the girls. "'Miss Penelope and Miss Julia have gone to bed. "'So has Lady Crowley and the staff, except me, "'though his lordship is working late at his offices this evening. "'I'm sorry. I'm a mess. I just—' When she met the older woman's eyes, it wasn't hard to look as desperate as she felt. "'Need to talk to my friends.' Comprehension dawned on Catherine's face. "'A boy matter?' Ainsley nodded miserably. "'I understand, miss. Come in. I'll fetch Miss Penelope and Miss Julia.' "'Thanks,' Ainsley said, her relief and gratitude genuine. The Crowley house, though not nearly as big as her own, was well appointed and well run. As always, the maid ushered Ainsley into the parlor and offered her tea. "'No, thanks,' she replied, flashing back on the unconscious keepers in her dead father's study. "'I'll just be a few minutes,' Catherine said as she left the room. Ainsley rushed to the window and raised its sash. Frederick was already there. "'It's all right,' she whispered. "'I don't think anyone here knows what's happened. Give me a few minutes to smooth things over. How's Rand doing?' "'Master Roberts isn't complaining,' the butler replied. "'But the walk here took its toll. He's in a bad way.' "'A few minutes,' she promised. "'Of course.' Almost the instant Ainsley closed the window, the parlour door opened, and Penelope and Julia entered. Both had hastily donned robes and slippers— their hair nearly as disheveled as her own. While Julia smiled at Ainsley, Penelope's greeting was cooler. "'It's awfully late for a visit.' "'Sorry,' Ainsley replied, stepping past them both and shutting the door. "'Who's in the house?' "'What?' Julia asked. Penelope replied, "'Mother's in bed, and Father's at his office.' "'How many servants?' Ainsley pressed. "'Why?' "'Come on, Penny, it's a simple question.' Five, the older, Crowley girl said. "'But they're all in bed, except for Catherine.' she's always the last one up. I know. I counted on it. Ainsley, Penelope said crossly. What? Something's happened. Ainsley felt her knees buckle. Instantly, both girls hurried to support her, and the three of them sank down onto a nearby sofa. Just give me a second. It's been—again, her voice failed her. Inwardly, she cursed herself. There wasn't time for this. Ainsley grabbed her friend's hands. My father's dead, she exclaimed. Commandant Gammon and Proctor Baird killed him right in front of me." They both stared at her as if she'd slapped them. Finally, in an uncharacteristically gentle tone, Penelope said, "'Tell us.' So Ainsley did. It took longer than she would have liked, and she kept remembering the small group of upper and lower folk hiding out in the garden. So far they'd been lucky, having not seen a soul during the short but anxious walk from her house to here. But luck didn't last. When she'd finished, Ainsley looked at her friends. Julia seemed horrified. Penelope thoughtful. So, the eldest sister said, these lower folk are in our garden right now. Yes. And you honestly want us to let them into our house? Rand's hurt, Penny. Lucy can heal him, but she needs a safe place to do it. Penelope's expression darkened. Heal him. How? A mistake. Inwardly, Ainsley cursed herself again. Please tell me you're not talking about pagan glamour. Penny... That's crazy. Keep your voice down, Julia told her sister. Penelope flushed, but her eyes stayed hard. There's no such thing as magic. Yes, there is, Ainsley replied. I've seen it. They tricked you. Then it was a good trick. Besides, Rand's genuinely hurt. Why would Lucy need to heal him if she wasn't able to really do it? How should I know how these animals think? Penelope snapped. Ainsley jumped to her feet. "'Rand Roberts,' she said hotly, "'is the bravest person I've ever met, "'and Lucy's stamper comes in a close second. "'I've told you what Baird and Gammon are planning to do. "'They're the animals,' she glared at her friend. "'Do you hear me?' Penelope's face blanched. "'I hear you.' "'Good. Now please let them into this house, just for a little while. "'Lucy needs some place quiet and safe to work on Rand. "'Ainsley, it's heresy. Don't hide behind Jai.' You don't know half as much as you think you do about how the machine really works. now, will you do it or won't you? Penelope visibly swallowed, but she nodded. Thanks," Ainsley said, her anger spent. The day's events felt like a lead weight across her shoulders. She supposed she needed sleep, but feared the dream she'd have. Julie asked, "So he's really torque?" The younger Crowley girl wore a wistful expression. A lot of people have been torque over the last twenty years," Ainsley replied. But Rand's definitely the best of them. Oh, Julia gasped. The Keepers must be searching everywhere for him. They think we headed for the drop. They don't know that we can't. Not without fuel or steam or whatever his pipe runs on. Julia nodded. Ainsley said, Send Catherine to bed. Tell her you're going to stay up to console me. She already thinks I got my heart broken. Once she's safely gone, We'll bring Rand and Lucy and the rest in through the kitchen door. We've got that new cutting table, Penelope said. Her outrage seemed to have faded, at least for now. That should be big enough. Thanks, Penny. Catherine complied easily, assuring her young charges that she herself had been young once. She warned them, however, that their father would be angry if he came home and found them all crying in the parlor. Five minutes later, the fugitives staggered into the Crowley kitchen, with Lucy carrying Gerard and Frederick and Eunice supporting a limping Rand. Rand did, indeed, look worse. Barely conscious. His face had gone deathly pale, and his forehead burned with sweat. There, Ainsley directed, pointing to the large iron table in the kitchen center. As soon as the servants laid Rand down atop the cold metal, Lucy went to work, cutting away his upper man's shirt. "'He's still bleeding,' she reported. "'Good.' "'Good,' Penelope muttered, giving Ainsley a "'see-how-they-are' look.' Ainsley didn't respond. Lucy, however, did. "'Yeah.' good. It means I won't have to cut him again to get the blood I need. She glanced at Ainsley. Who are these two, anyway? Ainsley realized she'd skipped right over polite introductions, and the absurdity of that almost made her laugh. Or cry. Sorry. These are my friends, Julia and Penelope. Julia, Penny, this is Lucy Stamper and Rand Roberts. Rand offered a feeble wave. Lucy glowered. Penelope glowered back, while her sister actually curtsied. Ainsley said, "'And you know Frederick and Eunice.' "'We do,' Penelope replied. "'Fine. Get on with it. Catherine was righter than she knew. If father comes home, he'll pitch a fit.' "'Believe me,' Lucy muttered. "'We won't stay here one second longer than we have to.' She went to work. Using Rand's blood, she drew symbols on the steel tabletop beside where Rand lay. The symbols were the same as those she'd drawn in the Roots Chapel. Seeing them made Penelope blanch and turn away, while Julia stepped closer, clearly fascinated." Heresy, Penelope muttered. No one replied. Lucy finished the six symbols, then took more of Rand's blood and redrew them carefully, again and again. Rand moaned. Then he passed out. Ainsley, Gerard whispered. What's Lucy doing? Making Rand better, Ainsley replied. She's killing him, Penelope corrected, and damning us all. Be quiet, Penny. You agreed to this. If you don't like it, leave. I should have called the keepers the instant you told us about them. Ainsley watched Lucy worriedly, but aside from a tightening of her jaw, the lower girl made no response. Grabbing Penelope's arm, Ainsley dragged her toward the door. Her friend looked affronted, but she came willingly enough. In the dimly lit hall outside the kitchen, Ainsley said sharply, "'Do it.' "'Do what?' Penelope demanded. "'Call the keepers. Use the Gabaphone or go out front and ring the keeper bell. They'll come running, believe me. Gammon wants nothing more than to get his hands on Rand and me. He's a criminal.' I told you about Project Vindicator. The other girl shrugged. They're going to kill people, Penny. Thousands of them. They're going to send those things down into the lowers to murder anyone they come across. Penelope said nothing. You can't possibly be all right with that. I'm sorry about your father, the other girl said. But I can see the logic of what they're doing. Logic. The logic of mass murder. Too many of them. Too few of us. If we want to stay in control... Ainsley suddenly felt as if she was looking at a stranger. "'You can't mean that. I do mean it,' Penelope retorted. "'Maybe it's for the best. Maybe the Proctor's just doing her job, protecting us against them.' "'Was that what she was doing?' Ainsley asked, seized by more outrage than she'd ever felt in her life, when she let Gammon shoot my father. The other girl's face colored. "I," But Ainsley wasn't having it. "'He did it right in my study, while father had his arms around Gerard.' His blood ended up in my brother's hair. And afterward, do you think they let the little boy come to me? Let either of us have a moment to grieve? No. They made Gerard their hostage and interrogated me right there, with my father's brain still running down the wall. They wouldn't do that, Penelope whispered. They would, Ainsley replied icily. And they did. It's solid, said a voice. I was there. They both turned as Lucy stepped out of the kitchen, wiping her bloody hands on a rag. At the sight of this, Penelope turned away in disgust. Ainsley looked questioningly at the lower girl, who said, It worked. But he's lost a lot of blood. He'll need to sleep for a while. Then she added in an almost begrudging tone, Thanks for looking after him the way you did. Ainsley replied, Thanks for taking care of Gerard. He's a good Ludling. All imagination. A lot like Jared and Jad. Ludling, Penelope muttered, as if having the lower's word uttered under her family's roof was somehow an insult. "'Ainsley asked. "'What did you see, Lucy? "'When my father was killed, I mean?' "'See? "'Nothing. "'I heard. "'How? "'You were in my bedroom. "'Yeah, but I didn't stay there. "'After you and Frederick left, I snuck downstairs and found that giant place of yours, "'the place with all the pots, what's it called?' "'A kitchen,' Ainsley said. "'Penelope rolled her eyes. "'Lucy nodded. "'There was nobody around, so I slipped into this little side room to look for something to eat. "'Inside I heard voices coming from a vent in the wall.' We have vents like that in the lowers, plenty of them. They carry sound. So I listened. For some reason, Ainsley found the irony grimly amusing. But then Lucy added, I heard them kill your father and threaten your brother. Then I heard you tell them everything. Lucy, I didn't have a choice. Yeah, you did. But it was a bad one. I can it. Ainsley nodded, fresh tears pressing behind her eyes. I don't believe it, Penelope said. August Pinkerton was an important man. They would never— "'Shut up!' both Ainsley and Lucy told her at the same time. It might have been funny in completely different circumstances. Penelope's mouth snapped closed. Lucy said, "'I don't know what happened after they took you out. Did they use you to trap Rand?' Ainsley nodded miserably. Then she told the lower girl everything that had happened in and around the keep. "'But what about you?' she finally asked. "'You knew the keepers were looking for you, but you stayed anyway. Where did you even hide? Right there in that little room.' The keepers searched it, but I climbed into an empty potato sack and kept still. Later, I was going to try to find my way to the drop, but Frederick convinced me to stay, insisting you and Rand would come back to the house. Were you really so sure we'd escape at all? You? I didn't much care, but I figured he would. Last week, Rand survived jumping into the drop and turned up again as Torque. I'm starting to ken there's more to him than even I thought. Even so, I was scared for him. So thanks again for getting him to your house." With that broken leg, it can't have been easy. He saved my life, Ainsley said. It seemed the least I could do. Lucy nodded as if she agreed completely. Then she turned to Penelope. Look at me. Penelope didn't. Look at me, upper lady. Finally, defiantly, Penelope faced her. Lucy's eyes blazed. So, you're okay with thousands of Luds, Lasses, and Lings getting slaughtered, just so you can live fat and happy up here. Is that what I heard you tell Ainsley just now? Penelope looked stricken, but she recovered fast, stiffening her spine, sticking out her chin. Suddenly Ainsley saw her friend for what she really was, a spoiled child. But before all this started, had she been any different? Well, Lucy pressed, I want to hear you say, yeah, I'm okay with all that butchery, because that's what it is, upper lady, butchery. I'm waiting. Penelope replied, I don't have anything to justify to you. Lucy turned to Ainsley. So this is your friend?" A wave of shame almost made Ainsley nauseous. She stared in horror at Penelope, who met her eyes with tears in her own. "'There's a natural order!' Penelope began, but her words died away. Ainsley didn't reply. Lucy said, "'I'm going to see if I can wake Rand in a few minutes. By then we need to have some idea of what we're going to do next. It's great to have him patched up, but with Torque's armor gone and the pipe all but empty, we don't stand a chance of making it down the drop.' Still, Ainsley said nothing. Her eyes remained locked on Penelope's, silently begging her friend, willing her, to show just a glimmer of compassion. Then Penelope Crowley said, Um, I might be able to help with that. The 31st Cog When Rand opened his eyes, the familiar gearbox around him was dark and warm. He thought with relief, I'm home and he was, since this place, for even the short time he and no name had occupied it, was as near to a home as Rand had ever known. Then he remembered Ainsley, Lucy, and Project Vindicator. Sitting up with a gasp, Rand reached over to the wall and drew a light rune. The gearbox lit up. It looked the same, with Torque's treasures, books, coins, and equipment, piled up in one corner. Solid. That meant Rand could refill his pipe and use it to get Ainsley and Lucy down the drop. Except, He was already here, and that wasn't possible. At that instant, runes sprang into glowing life against the gearbox's back wall. New runes, and drawn by no one's hand. There were three words, though he couldn't read them. A voice asked, "'Know what it says?' Rand whirled around so fast that he nearly fell out of his hammock. No name stood near the entrance. The lud was holding his precious hide satchel. But that also wasn't possible." since Rand had taken it to the uppers. "'What?' Rand asked blearily. "'Those words,' No-Name said. "'Do you know what they say?' "'Nope.' The Ludling looked annoyed. "'You've been studying your alphabet, haven't you?' "'Yeah,' Rand replied defensively. "'But those are in the old tongue.' The Ludling blinked. "'Oh, right. I get confused about stuff like that sometimes.' "'Do you know what they say?' "'Sure.' Ran waited, but, as usual, answers weren't forthcoming. So Rand decided to drop it and instead ask something more important. How did I get here? We came here last week, though it's a place I already knew pretty well. Ran groaned. No. I mean, how did I get here now? The last I remember, I was stretched out on a cold table in the uppers. I think Lucy was trying to heal my leg. That's when Rand noticed that his pain, so severe and continuous that it had started to feel like a part of him a thing to be lived with rather than cured, was gone. He bent his knee experimentally. Nothing. She did heal it, No Name said. Rand fingered the gash in his side that Rat had given him. It wasn't there. That's healed too, the Ludling added. Lucy's more in touch with the machine than anyone I've encountered in a long time. Rand had no idea what that meant. Where is she? Why can't I remember coming back down here? Because you didn't. You're dreaming. What? Sorry, No Name said. That's something else I get confused about. Waking and dreaming are so close to the same thing, after all. Opposite sides of the same coin, as they used to say. Who used to say? I don't remember. This is a dream, Rand asked. The Ludling nodded. Then where am I really? Asleep, on the table in the Crowley's kitchen. Rand had no idea what a Crowley was, or a kitchen, "'Then why does it seem so real?' he asked. "'Because dreams are real. That's the problem I keep having.' Rand rubbed his temples. "'When are you going to tell me who you are?' he asked, more impatient than angry. "'I've been waiting for the right time.' "'What right time?' "'The right time to tell you who I am,' No-Name replied, rolling his eyes. "'Duh!' "'I wish you'd stop talking in circles.' "'I'll work on that. Not to change the subject, but they're both pretty amazing.' "'Who?' "'Lucy and Ainsley.' "'Ran pictured Lucy with little Gerard Pinkerton on her hip, "'having already drugged a half-dozen keepers "'and won the trust of the cook and butler, "'whatever a butler was. "'Then he thought about Ainsley keeping her head long enough "'to splint his leg and then half carry him to her house. "'Yeah, they are,' he admitted. "'No-name said, "'I should think about introducing myself if I get the chance. "'Not the both of them, of course. "'Not yet. Just one. "'I'll have to make a choice, I suppose.' Not as tough as your choice, of course, but a choice. My choice. You'll figure that one out on your own, the Ludling said with a smile. Rand groaned again. At least admit that you're more than just another bows rat like me. Neither of us is a bows rat. That's an upper's term and a pretty crappy one at that. Still not an answer. No, I don't Ken it is. I've been hiding for so long that it's harder than you might think to finally step out into the light. Even for you. After a thoughtful pause, he said, "'I'm Root.' Rand stared at him. No-Name stared back. Then Rand burst out laughing. No-Name didn't. Rand exclaimed, "'No, you're not.' "'Yeah, I am.' Rand stared at him some more. No-Name's youthful face remained passive, self-possessed beyond his years. "'You're crazy,' Rand said. "'Maybe. A little,' the Ludling admitted. "'But that doesn't make it any less true.' "'So you're Root.' "'Yeah.' The all-powerful god that's older than the machine. Actually, the machine and I were created at the same time. Created? By who? No-name shrugged. That's complicated. You don't look like a god. Thanks. So, where have you been for the last thousand years? Right here. Here? In the bowels? Yeah. In what you call the old places. Doing what? Waiting. For what? The Ludling grinned. For you. "'For me?' Rand asked. "'Or for torque? "'You still haven't figured that out, have you?' "'I'm tired of mysteries,' Rand replied wearily. "'That's too bad, since the machine is chock-full of them. "'I'm a big one, if I do say so myself. "'But I'm not the only one, not by a long shot. "'So you've been hiding yourself down here all alone for centuries "'while the Lower Folk, your people, starved and suffered. "'Is that what you're telling me?' "'The Ludling's smile withered. "'I've seen their suffering. "'It's been awful.' I did what I could, but I was alone, so it didn't amount to much. But you're an all-powerful god, Rand exclaimed. I suppose you could label me a god, depending on your definition, but that doesn't necessarily make me all-powerful. There's still a lot you need to ken, Rand, and what I am is only the smallest part of it. But for now, you need to do two things for me. What two things? First, read the wall. What? "'The wall,' No-Name said patiently. "'Read the words.' Rand looked again at the glowing runes, and to his astonishment he found that he could read them, sort of. It wasn't that the words became recognizable. Instead, they seemed to suddenly ring in his head, like something long forgotten and suddenly remembered. Three words. Terrestrial Oxygen Replenisher. Rand exclaimed, "'That can't be your name.' "'It's not. It's the name of the machine.' What's that even mean? Let's save that for later. But the fact that you can read them means you're almost ready, I think. Ready for what? No name considered. Let's make a deal. I'll tell you everything, at least everything I can. But not until you keep your promise. My promise. The Ludling nodded. Your promise to come home. And just like that, Rand awoke for real. He lay staring up at a polished steel ceiling. Tight seams, fat rivets, no rust. Still in the uppers, he thought. A face filled his vision. Young, pretty, and yellow-haired. Makeup had been applied to her cheeks, eyes, and lips. Definitely an upper lass. "'You're awake!' she exclaimed excitedly. "'Yeah,' Rand croaked. "'Are you really, Torque?" He looked up at her. She was scrutinizing him with a kind of disgusted fascination, as if he were less a person than an interesting stain on the rug. Finally he replied, "'Not a very good one.' She considered that. "'Why?' Why what? Why were you Torque? Rand asked. Who are you again? I'm Julia, a friend of Ainsley's. She brought you here so that lower girl could heal you with her magic. Her eyes lit up as if Lucy's healing had been nothing so much as a wonderful show. Rand found himself disliking her, without really knowing why. Nice to meet you, Julia. She grinned. Her teeth were straight and white. You're very big. I ken that, he replied wearily. His head ached. Ken, Julia echoed as if tasting the word. Then she asked again, Why were you torque? Because I figured someone should be. So you just put on the armor and started jumping around, beating up keepers? Something like that. She laughed. That's wonderful. At that moment, a door opened nearby and Lucy demanded, Who's laughing? He's awake, Julia announced. Lucy shouldered the lass aside and leaned over Rand. An instant later, Ainsley appeared on his other side, with another, taller upper lass beside her. It occurred to Rand that he was suddenly surrounded by beautiful lasses. "'What are you smiling about?' Lucy demanded. "'Nothing,' Rand said. Then, meeting her eyes, he added, "'Thanks.' Did she blush a little? "'You're welcome. But it wasn't just me. You're only here at all because of Ainsley.' Rand turned to find Ainsley blushing as well. She looked even prettier than usual when she did that. It suddenly struck Rand that he might have a problem here." one that had nothing to do with keepers or vindicators. Hadn't no name told him as much? Swallowing, he said, "'Thanks, Ainsley.' "'It was the least I could do,' the lass replied, lowering her eyes. "'After I helped them trap you.' Rand glanced at Lucy, but instead of the expected anger, he saw something in her face that almost looked like camaraderie. "'So what?' he asked. "'Did you two become friends or something?' Lucy smiled thinly. "'Or something. Think you can set up? Our problems aren't over yet.' "'I can that.' Rand slid his legs off the table, his movements tentative, but while his head still ached, his vision stayed clear. "'I think I'm solid.' Penelope and Julia stared at him, one with open-mouthed astonishment and the other with ling-like delight. Ainsley sighed and said, "'Good. Where's your brother?' Rand asked her, and the—he struggled to remember the word—butler. Oddly, it was the fourth girl who answered, her tone less than friendly. I asked the servants to take Gerard into the library so that Miss Stamper could do her work. Ainsley added, Rand, this is Penelope Crowley and her sister Julia. They're friends. We couldn't risk healing you at my house, so I brought everyone here, and they agreed to let us in. I remember that, I think, Rand replied. Then, turning to the Crowley sisters, he said, thanks. The one called Julia smiled prettily. The other one didn't. "'Against Lucy's objections, Rand dropped off the steel table and onto his feet. "'I'm solid. I really am. Though I wouldn't mind something to wear.' "'Your shirt was blood-stained,' Penelope said. "'She seemed to be staring at Rand's midsection. "'Curious, Rand looked where she was looking, but saw only his stomach muscles. "'Then Julia offered him a neatly folded bundle of clothes. "'I borrowed these from the laundry. They're servants' garments. "'But they should fit, I think.' "'Thanks,' Rand said again, taking them.' More Upper clothes, a button-down blue linen shirt and black trousers. Rand pulled them over what he now wore. Small, but serviceable. Okay, what's our next move? You can't stay here, Penelope said immediately. Our father will explode if he finds you. She's right, Julia added. We need to go down the drop, Lucy said. Back to the lowers. And not just for our own sakes, Rand remarked. Gammon and Baird are going to be sending their vindicators down there if they haven't already. And if I can get back to my flop in the old places, I can get new armor and refill my pipe, then maybe— You can't fight them, Lucy interjected sharply. You tried and nearly got deaded. Then what should I do? Nothing? Just let those monsters have their culling? Of course not, the lower lass stammered. But if you— Her words trailed off into Rand's amazement. Tears filled her eyes. I don't want to lose you again. Heedless of the upper folk, Rand pulled her into his arms, feeling her cling to him. She didn't cry, not outright. Lucy was way too proud for that. But she trembled, her tiny, slender body as delicate as any leaf on any tree in the uppers. Ainsley cleared her throat. Um, Penny, Julia, why don't we step out for a minute? Upper folk politeness ran thought as the three of them left the room. But wasn't there something else behind Ainsley's words? Something deeper. Lucy, he whispered. As if he'd broken some spell, Lucy instantly pulled away. "'It's okay. I'm solid.' "'Of course you are,' he replied. "'You're always solid. "'But listen, you've known me as long as I can remember. "'In fact, you're my first memory. "'You have to ken that I'm not just going to stand by "'and watch those luds murder our people by the thousands. "'That's not who I am.' She smiled and said sharply, "'Why do you think I'm crying, you moron?' He laughed, and after a second or two, so did she. It felt good, the first time the two of them had shared such a moment since before all this started.' Rand considered kissing her, but it didn't feel right. Not just then. We need to get down the lift, he said. Then I'll take you to the flop, that's what we call it, and show you everything. Lucy's eyes were like dark pools. Who's we? Suddenly Ainsley burst through the kitchen door. Everybody out, she whispered urgently. Lord Crowley's back. He's coming in the front door right now. The Thirty-Second Cog the six of them hid in the Crowley's back garden. Somehow Gerard had fallen asleep. Seeing how he clung to Eunice, with dried tears glistening on his cheeks, made Rand's head hurt. In the last few hours his Ludling's father had been murdered in front of him and his sister hauled away. Then they'd all gone running into the night, abandoning the place he'd always known as home. Maybe there was something to be said for not having much to lose. What's the plan? Lucy asked. Ainsley replied, Penny wants us to wait here. And you trust her? I've known Miss Penelope all my life, Frederick chimed in. She's an upper lady of excellent lineage. Her word is good. That sentiment was meant to reassure them. Somehow, though, all Rand felt was insulted. Ainsley nodded, though she kept glancing at the Crowley's rear door, probably wondering the same thing Rand was wondering. Was Penelope in there right now, telling her father everything, calling the keepers? But then the upper lass in question appeared, slipping furtively through the door before hurrying over to them. "'Sorry,' she said. "'I told Father Julia had a nightmare and I was making her some tea. Then I had to wait for him to go upstairs to bed, so I could slip into his office and get these.' She handed Lucy three sheets of white paper. "'What are they?' Lucy asked. "'Lift passes,' Penelope replied. "'My family owns the market lifts. Father issues these passes to his maintenance people.' You can use them to get past the keepers guarding the lift platform. Your workers' clothes should help with that. So will that satchel Torque's carrying. His name's Rand, Lucy said dryly, flipping through the papers. There's only three of these. That's all I could find, Penelope replied. They each need my father's signature. So he always keeps a few on hand for emergencies. But you wouldn't be able to bring Gerard with you in any case. There's no way to pass him off as a lift maintenance engineer, is there? But that won't work. Ainsley whispered sharply, I'm not going anywhere without my brother. Rand put a supporting hand on her shoulder, ignoring the scowl Lucy gave him. Once we're in the lowers, I'll refill my pipe and come back for him. Then he looked at Frederick and Eunice. And for both of you, if you'll come. Frederick said, My wife and I, under the circumstances, think it might be better if we visit Eunice's sister. She's an eatery chef and keeps a modest house near the southern overlook. We could take Master Gerard with us, if you like, until Mr. Roberts can return for him. But the keepers, Ainsley replied, are looking for you, not us, Frederick replied. We can hire Gerard from them if they come to question us. Ainsley looked stricken. But I've already lost my father and my home. I can't lose you both, too. Frederick put his arms around her. There's no place for you here any more, miss, he whispered. And where you're going, I don't believe a butler would be of much use but promise to remember us, and remember that we love you as we loved your parents. Ainsley hugged him fiercely, tears flooding her eyes. Then, while she did the same with Eunice, Frederick took the sleeping Ludling and carried him over to where Lucy and Rand stood. I want to thank you both, he said. Thank them, Penelope remarked, sounding stunned. They've destroyed your life. The machine's a more complicated place than you'd like to believe, Miss Penelope. But shouldn't you go back inside now? We appreciate what you've done. I'd hate to see you get in trouble with your father. Penelope studied the man, frowning. Yeah, Ran told her. You didn't have to help us at all. Thanks. I did it for Ainsley, she told him stiffly. Not for you. Even so, Lucy added, Ran's right. We might make a rebel out of you yet. The remark seemed to offend the upper lass, who stiffened and turned away, marching up to Ainsley and almost yanking her out of Eunice's arms. Are you sure this is what you want? Penelope demanded. Ainsley looked tearfully at her. "'What choice do I have?' "'You could go to the Proctor and plead your case. Turn them over to the Keepers. Pledge your loyalty!' Lucy's face instantly colored. She started forward, but Rand took her hand and stopped her. Ainsley said, "'Gammon murdered my father, Penny. Or did you forget about that?' "'Of course not. But this is your home!' "'Not anymore,' August Pinkerton's daughter sounded not just tired, but spent, wrung dry.' Gammon and Baird saw to that. I can't stay here. Penelope's face fell. I don't believe this. I'm really going to miss you. Ainsley hugged her. Me too, Penny. Where's Julia? I never got a chance to say goodbye. She's keeping Father busy upstairs until I can get into the kitchen and clean up the heathen writing. She glanced nervously at Lucy, but the lower lass made no comment. She told me to tell you that she'd see you soon. I don't think she understands that this is it. To be honest, I didn't really understand it myself until just now. Then tell her I'm sorry, Ainsley said. Tell her I'm lucky to have you both for friends. I will, Penelope replied. She turned in a slow circle, meeting all their eyes. Good luck, everybody. Then, with a final glance at Ainsley, she walked stiffly through the garden and into her big house. Ainsley kissed her sleeping brother, shared a final farewell with the servants, and then the three of them, Rand, Ainsley, and Lucy, set off for the market plaza. As they headed down the dark, empty street, Rand noted the way Ainsley trembled. Leaving Gerard behind had been the hardest thing yet. Rand made himself a promise, then and there. He would reunite Gerard and Ainsley Pinkerton, or die trying. "'How far is it from here to the drop?' he asked. "'Not far,' Ainsley replied. "'Gotta be less than half a mile,' Lucy remarked. Then, when Rand looked at her, she explained, "'Well, the drop's in the middle of the machine, right? And the machine's a mile to a side.' So, no matter where you are, you're always within half a mile of the drop. You know that. And, of course, Rand did. He'd just never quite thought of it that way before. It made his world seem... small. As they walked on, Rand's thoughts turned to no name. To Root. Had he really met a god tonight? Or had it been a dream? He'd passed out from blood loss, after all. Except it hadn't felt like a dream. Besides, Had not no name, Root, told him the dreams were real? Ran wondered, if a dream tells you dreams are real, how can you believe him? Lucy called that kind of thing roundabout thinking. Ainsley, he said. Yes? What do you know about Root? Lucy piped up. Why are you asking her? She's a Jai worshipper. I'm the one who goes to prayer meetings. Yeah, Ran said, but I already know Root from your point of view. Now I'd like to get an upper person's take. Then when she glared at him, he added, unless you've got a problem with that. Lucy shrugged stiffly. It was the closest Rand figured he'd get to permission. Ainsley said, "'I only know what they taught me in school.' "'That's more than me,' Rand replied. The upper lass chewed thoughtfully on her lower lip. She was ridiculously pretty when she did that. "'Well, in the beginning there was only the nowhere and into it Jai created the machine. Nobody knows what it was for or what it did, but it kept doing it for countless ages before the goddess saw fit to bring people here. What is known is that the machine once had its own language— Weird symbols. I've seen some samples in the museum, but no one alive can read them. Wren thought maybe he could, or at least dreamed he could. Ainsley went on. Our forefathers, with Jai's divine blessing, built the uppers out of the lowers. Lucy snorted. What? Ainsley snapped. I've heard that story. It's dung. Why? Lucy looked pointedly at her. Where'd the people come from? Ainsley frowned, but didn't reply. So, Lucy, being Lucy, pushed it. Did Jai just pop them into existence? Fine, Ainsley exclaimed. What's your theory? Followers of Root believe that we came into the machine from elsewhere. This time, the Everlast snorted. Elsewhere? Yeah. How'd they get in? The machine has no doors, no windows. Lucy scowled. That's just one of Root's mysteries. It's ridiculous, Ainsley snapped. Says who? Why do upper folk get to make up the history and we don't? Rand said, I don't care. Both their heads, one blonde and the other flaming red, turned toward him. He shrugged. I asked about Root, not the machine. Lucy scowled but didn't reply. Ainsley said, You might not want to hear this. It's not exactly nice. Rand said, It's okay. Tell me. Well, the Jaiists preach that, as our forebearers made a home of the machine, a dark spirit emerged from the bowels. It was called Root, and it lured people in the lowest levels away from Jai. Like Jai, Root had no physical form, but it was evil, and it caused the schism between the upper and lower folk. Schism, Lucy demanded. What sort of word is that? What does it even mean? Rift, Ainsley said after a moment's thought. Separation? Oh, the lower lass replied, still scowling. Go on, Rand said. Eventually, Jai subjugated Root, and our social order developed, with the upper folk running the machine and the lower folk working it. The lowers make the uppers take, Lucy said, venom in her voice. Yes, Ainsley replied, but Root wasn't done. Using forbidden glamour, he conjured up Tork, and Tork waged war against the upper folk, defying the rule of law until the machine itself was ready to be split in two. Good for him, the lower lass muttered. Um, Well, the goddess finally sent her vindicators to hunt down and destroy Tork— at the same time banishing Root to the deepest, oldest places of the machine. But Root vowed that one day he would emerge from exile, and that Torque would return and lead the lower folk in a final, bloody revolution. Ainsley cleared her throat. That last part gets left out of our official history, but everybody knows it. The prophecy of Tork, it's called. Sometimes. She fell silent. The three of them continued walking side by side through the nighttime streets, saying nothing. Finally, Rand remarked, That's the legend that makes the upper folk so afraid of us. I guess so, Ainsley said. And it's how Gammon and Baird are justifying Project Vindicator. Yes, Ainsley said. Partly. And it's what your father used when he brought his phony torque to life. I know, Lucy said. It was a lie. It was wrong. You're right, the upper lass admitted. But he was trying to save lives. Rand supposed Ainsley believed that, just as he supposed August Pinkerton had believed it, too. Nevertheless, it was just another lie. Project Torque hadn't been about saving lives. It had been about keeping control. But there was no point telling his daughter that. Not now, probably not ever. Let her keep her father's noble memory. We're here, Ainsley announced. The Market Plaza. Ainsley had described it as an open public square where parades, fairs, and other events were held. One side of its perimeter was formed by the lip of the drop. A second side bordered what Ainsley called the Boutique District, where a warren of expensive shops resold wares bought in the middle market. Along the third side ran the street on which they now stood, lined with tall buildings. And occupying the fourth side of the plaza was the Market Lift platform. Rand had seen it from the rooftops, of course. But down here, the plaza seemed much bigger, maybe because at this hour it was all but empty. Atop the platform, however, it was a different story. A half-dozen keepers were stationed there, with more standing guard duty at the base of the steps. Are they still looking for us? Ainsley asked Rand. You and me? Maybe, he said. Or maybe they figure Tork's already gone down the drop, and they're just watching to make sure he—I—don't come back up. I don't see any big metal monster, Lucy remarked. I thought you said Gammon sent that grabber thing here. He did, replied Ainsley. Then where is it? Ainsley didn't answer. Neither did Rand. Had the monster been sent down to the lowers already? Was it there right now, killing folks? The idea twisted his stomach. Doesn't matter, he said at last. We need to get onto one of those lifts. Lucy said to Ainsley, Let's hope your friend's papers do the job. Let me do the talking, Ainsley said. You two have an accent. You're the one with the accent, upper lady, Lucy replied dryly. They started across the empty plaza. As they neared the stairs, the keepers immediately went on high alert, spreading out and drawing their pistols. Rand, Ainsley, and Lucy kept walking, their arms at their sides, slow and steady, unthreatening. "'Stop and identify yourselves,' one of the keepers snapped. Ainsley held up Penelope's papers. "'Lift maintenance. We've got a report that a Lift 3 has a bad crank coil.' The nearest keeper took the papers and reviewed them, while the other three regarded their small party warily. The reader finally looked up at Ainsley. "'Ainsley.' "'You're all working pretty late tonight.' "'So are you,' she replied with a sweet smile. The man wasn't moved. "'You three seem young for this kind of work.' For a few seconds Ainsley struggled for a reply. Then Lucy said, in an almost perfect uppers accent, "'Third shift work. Nobody wants it, so it goes to whoever's newest.' Her smile wasn't sweet, like Ainsley, but hard and sardonic. "'Know what I mean?' The keepers traded looks. Then they laughed. "'Yeah, we know,' the reader replied, handing back the documents. Go on up. Can't say I see the rush, though. The Commandant's got plans for the morning, and has already told us the Middle Market's going to be closed for the day. This won't be a quick repair, Lucy said. That's why the lifts'll be shut down. Lud grinned. That might be what they told you, young lady, but trust me, it's not the real reason. Vindicators, Rand thought. They were going to hit the Middle Market at dawn. Lucy simply nodded. Then the three of them climbed the steps up to the lift platform. Here, three more keepers confronted them, with the last three milling about near the lift controls. Bolstered by their success with the last group, Ainsley marched up and held out their stolen documents. But then one of the keepers stepped into the light. He was younger than the rest, and his face shone with excitement. Good evening, Miss Pinkerton, he said, grinning. Ainsley gasped, but immediately recovered. Squaring her thin shoulders, she replied, Hello, Keeper Percy. Here you all are, he remarked. Just like Miss Julia said you'd be. Then he raised his whistle to his lips and blew it. Things go from bad to worse, or do they? In the next episode of Torque by Ty Drago. If you just can't stand the wait, the full novel is available in paperback and ebook formats on Amazon.com. Thanks for listening.